Dear listeners, welcome to episode 12 of Thinking Psychologist. Till now what we have seen is our human brain is being boggled by attention grabbing elements outside our world. Where there are advertisements, where there are events happening outside that spark some enthusiasm, creativity and ideas inside our head and those ideas govern our life, our future. We have met Buddhist monks, we have met clinical psychologists, we have met met people who are, you know, lucid dreaming experts and lot of storytelling people as well. But today's session is going to be really, really interesting. What we're going to be delving today is at the core of product development. And the new products and innovations are at the heart of what new organizations are trying to do, trying to reinvent themselves. With that being said, we would like to invite Rivello Giovanni on the show. Giovanni, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Just a Hi, little bit everyone. intro about Giovanni is that he is an expert at service design and user experience. He has worked in multiple roles across the globe in terms of user design and service experience, service design. As well as me and Giovanni had a pleasure of working together on a very, very innovative role in which we were looking at the disruptive models that can disrupt a large automotive multinational of the globe. With that, being, with that being said, our association was towards the disruption and innovation. But in today's theme, we're going to be talking about how a service designer looks at designing a perfect user experience. And to design that, how does he go towards understanding the needs of the audience? And to understand the needs, how do you actually go and find the real need? And what is the user actually thinking when the needs are being done? With that, we will start with the introduction of Riovani. And we will ask him to tell us briefly about himself, what has his been journey has been from Italy, where did he study, what all places he has worked in, and what has been the impacts that have, uh, you know, things that have impacted mm-hmm. his life. And why did he choose this role, first of all? Please, Jovan, uh, all you. Yeah, um, I mean, yes, as you said, I'm, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Italy, and uh, in the uh, my hometown in Sicily, this is where I also studied electronic engineering, but I believe I do have also a creative, creative DNA because I wanted to uh, sketch comics. That was my, my largest passion. So I had um, a lot of interest in how things are, are, um, are done, uh, but also how things work. And uh, um, I've been carrying on this, this uh, um, uh, two interests mostly in parallel. Um, and... Uh, uh, when I was working in my first assignment as a business consultant for um, IT areas in Italy. And then in 2012, I moved to Germany. And then those two paths, they start to, to merge together. And uh, back in the days, this is where I found uh, this uh, um, new area, which is, uh, as you mentioned, um, service design. And I'll try to clarify what service design is. Uh, it's not easy. <laughs> and um, and since then, I, I was able to merge those two because service design is exactly this, this practice of designing services, which are intangible business interactions that we usually have with some provider of something which is uh, um, fulfilling one of our needs. But in order to do service design, you need to um, uh, thoroughly combine uh, three fundamental aspects. One is the business 
viability? Can we make money out of it? The other one is the technological um, feasibility. Can we build it somehow? And the third one, and which is the the, the turf, so to say, I'm, I'm into is is it desirable? So will pay will people um, buy it? Will people will people find value in this thing that we are that we're building? And so the constant exercise in in server design is exactly to move on those three different pillars. Um, and we designers, we are coming more from the human perspective to it. But nevertheless, you need those links to the businesses, to the technology in order to implement, in order to launch um, your, your um, deliver value to your customers. And, so the um, thing, so just to stop you one over here, uh, the thing that you're trying to say is that, you know, the, the vital component in service design is finding the value that your service is going to provide to the customers. So just you know, coming a little two steps back and trying to understand what service means when it comes to service design is uh, these are the intangible interactions that uh, my prospective customer is going to have with my product. Is that in one line can be said as a service design? Um, yes. I mean, as I said, there are different there are different uh, um, uh, Definitions and it has fuzzy boundaries. What I really like is the definition of a fellow server designer, Mark Fontaine, saying um, um, when you have two coffee shops in the same road selling this same exact type of coffee for the same exact price, server design it walks you what what allows you to walk in just one of those two, um, get uh, go there often and tell all your friends how great this place is. Yeah, that's that's a good explanation. Yeah, it's a very good explanation. And then this is the point. I mean, uh, um, I don't really like iceberg uh, relationship or comparison. But at the end, most of the times uh, the, the, we interact with services uh, nowadays mostly through this thing. But it's just one way to interact or your major interaction point. But behind this, there is a huge uh, invisible also structure, which is... Um, uh, has to has to um, be synchronized, orchestrated, in order for you to enjoy that single order on 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 your favorite e-commerce website, for example. So it's just how do you reduce barriers for your customers to interact with your services, but also how do you engineer your processes and your organization in order that everything can happen in a seamless way. Um, in interesting wise the more the easiest sometimes it's the easiest the interaction at the visible level um, the more complex is then the activities that you need to to do behind the scenes as you were in a theater um, to to make this this play happen and make your audience successful and make your audience happy so so one you know I'm, I'm curious to know once you talk about these two coffee shops and person going and buying from one and rather than going to the second one, what are the major KPIs that would be defined to have an awesome service? If you would, if you take an example per se, mm-hmm. you know, what, how would you compare a service from one portion to another? Because, you know, I, I understand that there is, you know, the, the quality of the product, then there is the customer service of the product, then there is, you know, how, how is the ambience and stuff like, but Putting them into a numbers and defining a KPI into numeric words and defining it, that would be a challenge, right? And how, how do you do that? 
So this is a great question because uh, this is this is a challenging task because in a service you have different components of an organization contributing to the success of the service. So there is not just um, uh, um, your I don't know hotline in case you got problems, but you also have marketing, sales, engineering. All of those components within an organization are um, acting for delivering one piece of the of the service. So you have sort of a vertical KPIs already embedded, which are typical KPIs from the different functions that are um, contributing to the to the, um, the delivery of the service. On top of that, you may um, uh, have horizontal KPIs. They may um, deal with uh, with duration. They may deal with um, um, leads. They may lead to um, may have to do with with um, 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 uh, um, other success factors, uh, which are very peculiar to the kind of services that you are delivering. Because, for example, a service which is pure digital like an e-commerce have or 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 a, um, a, a, a uh, travel company uh, they they have very different kbis they have very different service nature compared to the one of for example an, an insurance company uh, mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. you really need to be there supporting your customer all all along this kind of journey they are um, performing from the very beginning to the very end of the interaction with the service, sometimes you are invisible, you are silent, and you are just to be there just in the exact moment in which mm -hmm. the, the customers may will need you. And this is, for example, the case of a of an insurance company. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. very peculiar, very different. So another another question that sparks up Giovanni in my head is, you know, uh, every user is different, every customer is different. Their, their needs might be somewhat similar, but their emotional state, once they are visiting that coffee shop or a person going to Amsterdam experience would be very different. So how do you ensure to, you know, the design that you are doing and try to encapsulate all the needs over there, how do you manage various consumers and design a coherent experience for all the users? That must be a challenge, right? It is, it is. Um, especially nowadays in which, uh, um, the, the so-called VUCA world is, is influencing uh, the, the way the way we live, the way we we consume, and uh, um, it is very very challenging because the, 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 everything is happening way faster. There is uh, much more complexity to deal with. There is much more uncertainty. I mean, we're also living in, I mean, 2020. Uh, I'm not the one saying this. A lot of certainties that the the, the world had have disappeared. So people are more um, um, unsecure people are also having financial troubles at the moment. So how, how do you how do you deliver this kind of value? How do you keep on having um, um, uh, success if your customers suddenly disappear? Because, for example, people are not allowed to fly it anymore. Um, so um, in in the process that we use, which is a creative process, uh, while uh, carry on service design or user experience projects um, there are always moments in which we try to, to um, open up the, the, uh, our focus on a specific component whether it is the focus on a problem 
or whether it is the, the generation of possible solutions. And in those um, uh, situations, uh, um, you may want to um, start from, from people. And one very important, probably one of the most important activity is exactly going out there in trying to address um, your customers. Um, you may have different kind of customers. You may have users of your service. You may have customers. Um, this role could be different sometimes. Um, it could involve involve some some payments, but not necessarily. But also in the in large organizations, um, you may have a pure B two B business relationship with with your customers. So, so there you address another function in another organization. So um, at first you're trying to understand who are the, the my counterparts. You try to understand. Um, what is their role? Are there other roles within this ecosystem I am addressing, which may have an important say in 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 the, the delivery of the of the um, of the value? Um, and you may end up end up in, in finding um, managers hierarchy influencing your design. You may end up uh, seeing uh, defining defining ambassadors as well as saboteurs of your idea. Um, but um, this is a preliminary work, which is important to understand what is the environment that we need to consider. Because of course, uh, you need to shrink down, you need to start, you need to pick a specific direction, which is, I have to say, I have to be broad, but not that broad, because you need you have a limited amount of time for executing your research. And so what you do, you try to collect uh, um, data, so, um, um, information which is already available through studies, through through surveys and stuff like that. And um, you try to understand who are the major uh, um, um, stakeholders, uh, the most important roles in this idea that I would like to, to deliver or in this area that I would like to explore. And then um, we usually start from organizing um, qualitative interviews. So... Um, going to people asking about their specific preferences or their specific habits. Um, I have to say I do user research, I do participate, but this is a, a team uh, sport that I don't do alone, uh, alone because there is always a team of designers involved and each and every of us we bring a specific competence in this. and. Uh, um, one of the competences that we always bring in is a specific user research competence, meaning could be a market research, could be a psychologist, um, who is more expert in evaluating what people are saying. Because, I mean, there are thousands of books and lots of theories about um, psychologies, applied psychologies, cognitive psychology, which is exactly um, aiming to understand how people decide what are the subtext or subsects sub sub set, sorry <laughs> of 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 uh, um, um, parameters which influences um, the decision whether they are financial cultural uh, or or uh, individual so this is very difficult i'm not a really expert in this in this area i am uh, so to say I'm relying on what uh, very smart colleagues of mine, as well as other practitioners out there, uh, are suggesting suggesting to do. Mm-hmm. And and um, but I leave also others um, 
having having the the, the major uh, content point there, um, because the moment that, that in which you ask people of what do they think about specific topics, um, they usually they usually don't know what they need, and they even if they they tell you something, sometimes what they say they they need is not really what they need in reality. And there is this famous say from Henry Ford about the faster horses. Yeah. Huh? And it could be, yes, in a sense, it's inspiring. It follows a bit what is the, 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 the approach. But on the other side, if people, they would like to travel more faster, they don't necessarily have the, the, the horse in mind. Or this is not necessarily a horse, what you need to offer them, because this is just a... a, a I'm going to say, a representation of their perception of their reality. They mm-hmm. can only think about what they know. They cannot yeah. think about what they don't know yet, what is not there yet. And so this is the role of the designers, just to uncover this kind of needs and then um, um, work on those insights to, to um, make them working in a way that they can address also the address innovation so address also something which is not there yet the the other thing one you know once you talk about user research and bringing in the experts in uh, one of the latest things in the industry is to be looks at looked at the jobs to be done mm-hmm. so you know what are what are your views in it do you also apply that once trying to under undermine the needs you know define what needs are and then go deeper into identifying what job does a user has to do and then come up with ideas this is just one approach and this approach is also is also valid i mean there are well, probably one one of the the most important tasks that we do have as a design team is just to understand how do we want to approach the, mm-hmm. the whole thing what is the what is the the framework that we, we would like to use usually we prepare some sort of a we call it a semi-structured um, guideline. So it's a set of questions, which are open questions. Uh, so uh, questions that are have no uh, yes or no as, as an answer. Um, and we always carry on one, um, one, one interview guideline with us um, in order to have to guide the customer in, uh, in the direction they would like to explore. But on the other side, We'll, we are open to explore uh, additional additional directions if the customer will provide us with the chance of exploring or, or providing us specific hints that could be interesting for us. Mm. Um, so um, there are several ways of doing this. Jobs to be done is definitely one, according also the um, the, 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 the their linkage with the whole. Uh, value proposition and business modeling uh, design of uh, Alexander Osterwalder. So this is definitely one approach. Um, what you need to do is, of course, uh, I mean, you don't just ask people what is your job to be done. You, of course, you need to formulate this, your definition of jobs to be done in a way which is understandable for your customer. And then mm-hmm. in a post-production, so to say, you make sense, you try to sort out what is the most job, what is the task that those person are, are are um, accomplishing what is the rating of the jobs so that you can then use this information for understanding better what is the process what is the customer journey um, what is the the how does the solution has to be tuned in order to address specific jobs uh, which are more important for specific customer groups on the other side you may want to use also a different approach which doesn't 
necessarily refer to job to be done. Um, and this is a more explorative in which you just go and ask on, on larger, um, uh, larger um, topics. Um, for example, um, you may want to understand how, what are the, the preferences in, in, in commuting of a specific of different customer groups. And mm-hmm. um, in, this kind, in this kind of situation, what we also do is just that we extend the, the, uh, the artifacts that we are bringing uh, into the user research activities, adding uh, some uh, items that can help to structure the thinking. So for example, we may bring empty maps uh, in which we may uh, visualize the several, for example, um, times of the day in order to understand what is when, when is that you are commuting and how you are commuting, what are the typical barriers that you have while you are commuting. And if you, uh, in order to enforce this, this, this visualization, because if people see it, they can better refer to what they are really doing. Mm-hmm. We may bring some, for example, some, some cards um, uh, which are presenting specific, uh, um, specific means of transportation, car, buses, bikes, whatever. Or um, we may also bring specific specific hurdles. So you, you bring in pictures of a queue, snow, um, um, stormy weather, or, or um, a, a alarm clock which doesn't ring in, in time. So stuff like that helps people to, to refer to specific problems, to specific situation. <clears throat> and this is um, very useful for, um, I mean, in one side it makes the, the, this exercise a bit more practical on both sides um, and on the other side it helps the, the, the thinking about this specific uh, this specific uh, um, situation uh, mm. helps people to just to focus to understand oh actually there's much more than what I thought it is uh, like uh, oh I wake up I drink my uh, me as an Italian would drink my espresso and then dress up and I'm out but if you think about it your, your simple morning routine could be much more complicated than, than, yeah. than this. Uh, uh, and, and, and this is also something we do also in a testing phase. So once the concept, the design concept is, is um, uh, defined, um, and with defined, I don't mean it's, it's ready, you, you have the, but we're always talking about prototypes. Uh, uh, and then in what we also do and what designers also do is we are ambassadors of testing ideas early as fast as possible because we need to understand if we are on the right track or not mm-hmm. and still on a very um, qualitative basis this is also the time in which you also go back to your users you go back to the customers and you collect feedback about what what you have done um, a lot of this stuff uh, is very popular, of course, in a digital world. How do we test user interfaces? How do we test websites? But this is not just applied to this, because this you can apply this in also testing testing other components of your services. You may test the the, the, the flow. You may test the story behind. You can test through a storyboard. But also you can derive experiments which are connected to specific components of your business models. Uh, so you can you can prototype you can experiment about your your um, technology you can uh, experiment about the partners you are bringing in of course you can experiment also on your 
on your financial, your revenue or your losses, as well as, of course, important components which are very prominent because those are the the, the, the components of your services, the touch points that you have that are making um, your service visible to the eyes of your customers. Fantastic. Thank you. That that goes quite deep into how you're designing the things. Another thing, one you know, I want to talk about is the, you know, one of the things that is very prominent with the statistics is called the statistician's dilemma as well, wherein the sample size that I am taking to validate a hypothesis, how do I choose or how do I know that I'm taking the correct sample size when I'm going towards my user research? You know, there might be five different personas that are interacting with my offering that I'm placing in front of the customers. How do I define how many number of people do I have to interact, view or interview in order to come up with an optimal sample space so that my service design might be correct? Yeah, this is of course, uh, you need to do a trade-off and and this is a decision that you may want to take together with your product owner or with your sales. Uh, I mean, this is not just the designer teams deciding, oh, this is this is something nice to have, but exactly, this is part of the data you need to collect at the beginning in order to understand what are um, what are the most meaningful um, customer groups that, that you may want to talk to. Because of course, you have a limited amount of time and time is also related to budget. You cannot just explore uh, each and every direction. The point is just to get significant, significant representative uh, um, uh, um, samples in order to get inspired, in order to collect insights. This is not the end of your exploration. Your explorations goes throughout the project in different forms. At the beginning, mm-hmm. you will define what is a meaningful but also manageable amount of, uh, of uh, personas or representative of specific personas group that you want to in- interact with. But usually organizations, they know pretty well who are their most important counterparts. Mm-hmm. And that already would provide a huge, uh, um, um, a huge support. Of course, you can also, you should also try to, to test extremes like extreme users as well as non-users just to understand what what's hidden there it could be also interesting for us to to think a step further and not just to be confined in the in the box that an organization is also trapped into just because they are very expert in that specific business area with that specific um, customer segmentation and i see a nice trend there is also to to um, explore cohorts or tribes and this is uh, um, way way more um, uh, heterogeneous than the so-called customer groups they may have a more marketing approach but this is just a a, um, um, a group of people which are sharing the same interest and in, in the recent times they had um, um, uh, also some uh, they have relevance because for example if you think about the amount of people doing yoga or interested in meditation or interested in, in um, uh, running. I don't know. This, those are trends that are, that are get, that were getting, so to say, consolidated in the recent, recent times. And if you look about that, you have a very a huge variety of ages, of uh, financial uh, histories, uh, um, uh, rich people, uh, poor people, uh, young, old, uh, uh, women, men, 
it's very, very heterogeneous. But nevertheless, those people are very, very connected through this, this strong interest that they have. So how do you, how do you organize your, your research also in a way that is uh, then uh, attracting this kind of, uh, how can I say, passion rather than age, status, uh, location, uh, skin color and, and everything else? Is there, is there something called, you know, disruption in service design as well? Because <laughs> we hear about, uh, you, know, you know, new technologies coming in and disrupting the existing market, like technologies like blockchain coming in that has got a fantastic future ahead, where the existing mm-hmm. monopolies are going to break and stuff. So when it comes to the service design, do you see certain examples or new trends coming in service design as well that probably might disrupt the existing way the businesses are being done? Um, disrupting service design or, or how the service design supports the disruption? Both. Both, okay. Um, hmm. How service design is supporting disruption? I think I think uh, getting getting a, a customer view for focusing on the first activities of uh, any business trying to make something new, I think is the very very first step that has to be done in different ways, in different in different um, approaches which are related to maturity of organization and which is uh, also dependent to the culture. I mean, there are several aspects, but I believe that uh, um, this is still a very fundamental approach um, that uh, that is always valid to start with mm-hmm. and to keep a product ongoing. And this, of course, has not necessarily something to do with the disruptiveness of, of stuff, um, but also disruptiveness. I mean, what is that? Sometimes the markets are just disrupted because of uh, an entrant which is able to offer uh, the same quality at a very, the very lower mm. price point. So, um, on the other side, on this, uh, in other examples, it's it's about the degree of innovativeness of the product mm-hmm. itself. So it's always a, a huge a huge span. So to say, I believe that the, the idea is still uh, is still uh, is still the most important thing. But of course, approaching this idea from having a customer perspective um, since the beginning is a fundamental way of probably testing the level of disruptiveness and also pivoting the, the level of disruptiveness along the the, the, the life cycle of this of yeah. this business idea. And about the, the practice itself. Service design is, is like UX design. It's it's pretty new. It's it's a practice which has, if you really want to root down to the very initial papers defining this, it's about 15, 15 years old, but it started to get to, to gain traction around 10 years ago. So the practice is still young. Um, could be um, disrupted by by different. Uh, probably could be disrupted by different, uh, um, um, how can I define this, um, uh, different uh, declination of the whole. Because we have mm-hmm. started mapping uh, using tools for visualizing this complexity that services are, are um, um, uh, bringing along. And now we are realizing that this is a very broad exercise because you need to encompass business and technology and customer needs. And this is a huge, a huge uh, 
amount of complexity you need to deal with. So on one side, probably we need some self-design specialists in specific areas. On the other and and, and on top of that, we we have realized as a service design that there is always organizational barriers to deliver this picture that we have mm. a new service, uh, and this is uh, us to do with with uh, um, culture, heritage, uh, um, um, willingness to collaborate, uh, and and you, and you can deep down in this, and you end up in in pure HR topics, which is. Uh, uh, how people are, are uh, so to say, incentivized to to collaborate together, for example. And those are hurdles that, that uh, definitely um, play a role in the um, in the uh, in the delivery of the of the service. That's why uh, we are now uh, seeing that there are um, uh, people calling themselves um, organizational designers or happiness designers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, it's, so it's not really a disruption, probably it's more a metamorphosis of something, but um, uh, it's, it's uh, the, the, this practice is then trying to, to find its shape in order to then, uh, um, I don't know, um, um, probably again define specializing itself in specific areas so that um, designers can better support in, in, specific, in specific situations, because in my opinion, what I what I don't believe is uh, this kind of uh, um, bold sentences saying or oh, design. The, we have a, we have an answer um, for every question, and I believe this is this is the wrong approach. Design can definitely support in understanding what possible answers are, but it does not derive uh, stamps or does not derive bulletproof. Um, solutions and mm-hmm. design practice um, humility. Design should practice collaboration. Design should practice uh, um, iterations, experimentations. Learn as fast as you can in order to understand if you are on the right track or not. And of course, design always is an advocate for um, involving customers, involving user along this this process, so that you have a constant discussion and constant conversation about what you're trying to do and why you should do stuff in the way you mm. you believe is the right one. Interesting journey, you know, is that somewhat, you know, once you talk about designing the service design, I recently saw a lot of LinkedIn posts that you have been putting towards a 30-day design challenge and a lot of people participating in that in that challenge as well. What, what was that all about and you know and what what was the motive behind doing it and what was the outcome yeah um, I think it goes together with the hand in hand with what I said before to make stuff visual to make if you try to find a, a, a visual representation of something whether it's just a picture the right picture or whether it's something you want to sketch on your own this goes to me in the same direction and um, the point is, how can we can we be better visual thinker? Because if you think about that, visualization could be a language on its own. Huh? It's a sort of a way we express our thoughts, which, which does not involve the the, the, the mouth, <laughs> but involves the hand and still the brain. And um, I got in touch with a with a fellow service designer, Mark, who said, "Okay, I know that you you sketch." 
uh, and uh, uh, I would like to be a better sketcher, but not just in practicing my, my sketching skills, but it's rather about the, the confidence that I do have in sketching. And uh, he had a very nice analogy there saying, because he's doing podcasts as well and saying, the first time I did my podcast, I really hated my voice. I cannot listen to my voice when I, when I, when I hear myself. I think I have the most awful voice ever. But you do that and you get confidence in doing that. And at the end, you get acquainted. So here, the, the point was, how can we get people get acquainted also with the, the, their abilities in sketching? Um, because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm convinced that it's not about how good or what is your quality of the sketching, but to just overcome your fear, your, your, uh, um, uh, your lack of confidence for starting sketching. Because at the end, you really need a few lines in order to convey your message, even if it's a complex one. So in the 30-day challenge, what we have done was to provide with participants every day with a, with a, a, a hashtag or, or a topic which was related to the design community. So one was collaboration, the other one was organizational silos, as well as uh, co-creation, collaboration, um, business case. So um, pretty, pretty intangible things. Um, and we have provided them with two important aspects. One was a, a, a um, I'm up. <laughs> my, my daughter was there. No problem, no problem. Okay. I mean, we you don't necessarily have to cut this because it's part of our everyday life yeah, nowadays. Exactly. <laughs> and and uh, I don't want to feel uh, I, don't, I don't really need to apologize for that. Um, yeah, no, I don't have that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what happened. Uh, uh, talking about visualization, uh, I, I, if you don't know it yet, have a look at one of the latest uh, the cover of The New Yorker, which is, it really hits the nail. It's a fantastic uh, representation of this, uh, this moment. And this, this, now that we are preparing to the end of the year, celebrations and everything else, uh, like... Uh, Pretending to look nice looking at the camera while living in a yeah in in, in a bit of a mess <laughs> all around us, but that's perfectly fine. But nevertheless, what I wanted to say is that um, we have provided them with two important aspects. One was a safe space in which nobody had to feel uncomfortable in posting something which they would say, ah, but I'm not really good in sketching. Um, and so we had a sort of a um, closed group um, in which we were posting every day because there was the task. Every day we provide you with a topic and you have just six minutes for mm -hmm. coming up with a sketch. And, and we also, the second point was to provide guidance, how to get to the sketch. And we have created this, uh, this um, sort of a template in which we have tried to guide people in, in thinking how to sketch before starting to sketch. So this mm -hmm. this uh, this template they had, first of all, scribble, simply, let your hand flow, and then think about the topic, and think about what are words which are associated to this. So we go back to cognitive uh, psychology, probably, 
because yeah. different people they resonate with specific topics differently. Um, uh, and uh, uh, and you see what, what was very interesting to me was to, to, to observe this thinking because now you have a visualization of the thinking if you like how people mm-hmm. are connecting dots I do a circling specific um, specific um, um, aspects which are more relevant for them and once they have identified those we uh, did a, a sort of a variant of the famous uh, crazy eight um, exercise mm-hmm. saying okay can you can you quickly pick four four ideas how, how could you visualize this and then out of those four then go for your final one which would be your final let's say visualization that you are going to to publish in the in the uh, in the, in the, in the in the forum, so to say, on the platform. And um, it was interesting because we have around 370 people uh, um, interested in this. And then you understand also your customer groups. Some are, uh, are really the doers. They accept the challenge and they act almost every day for delivering. They uh, taking the six minutes for publishing something others say no you know this is this is too much time for me i can't do that and and others which are just the lurkers huh? they stay behind the seat they probably like uh, to, to look at what people are doing but they they don't want to interact and um and we had around uh, 30 daily active users which is which mm-hmm. was uh, uh and we which was also fun because we we had the chance of interacting also with each other um, we have provided also every week a bit of a hint about how to sketch specific elements, uh, how to do um, specific stuff. And, and it was great fun because, uh, um, as I said, you are interacting with a lot of people all over the world which you cannot really otherwise interact with. So it was a great exercise yeah. for coming the, the corona restrictions. Um, you got a lot of contacts with people who are whether in the same field or whether just interested in being, being more visual, and so it was a great way to expanding our our um, network, and, uh, and it was a great learning not just on how do you launch a challenge but also in how do you you get better in what, what you do because I think everyone had his own learning there which is not necessarily oh now I'm more confident in sketching but also. I, I feel I, I can better think. I find I find again, or I do have developed a little visual vocabulary, and uh, um, and uh, it was just amazing human human touch. People saying, "Oh, I really enjoyed this." Or oh, we have launched a similar a similar initiative in in Peru uh, with a with a local Spanish community, uh, mm-hmm. and, and those are great things. I mean, this is uh, this is personally speaking, this is what I, what I really moves me in, in doing things so we'll maybe do it again yeah. the beginning of next year so stay tuned I'm, I'm gonna i want to be a part of that as well please pull me in and uh, i would like to learn learn how to sketch as well we'll do we'll do well, i i saw i saw a lot of good response coming over linkedin as well so it was a good idea to just in, speak with you what was that all about and i say it would have been a quite a bit of a life-changing experience in terms of a sketching you know for the people who had yeah. joined it for sure yeah, this is if, if we want to uh, wrap up a, a little bit, this is exactly what we have discussed at the beginning. So what people say uh, is not necessarily 
say they do is not necessarily equal to what they really do. Because yeah. at the beginning, the, we had the short feedback there saying, okay, how confident do you feel? And, and, and most of them were, yeah, very, no, I'm not confident and I'm, I don't really trust my sketching skills. And that's why we have created this isolated environment, in which people will just post their stuff in a, with a limited amount of audience. And what happened then, people started posting stuff on LinkedIn. And, and mm -hmm. they were, it was amazing because they were so brave because people posting on LinkedIn, they probably were not the, the best catcher, but nevertheless, yeah. they, were, they were confident enough to post this, having a way larger audience uh, in comparison to the one that we have envisioned in the, in the challenge. Yeah, and that, that, that's one of the skills that can go into the mainstream service design, where how you isolate people to unearth the real needs that they have. Yeah, this is a fundamental. This is a fundamental aspect of another field, which is facilitating, which is bringing, guiding a team towards a, a goal. Uh, and and one of the rules is just is always to, to provide a safe space so that people can experiment, without having the fear of failing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks, Giovanni. You know, with that, we sort of come to an end to this conversation. It's been almost 45 minutes that we have been speaking non-stop, exchanging ideas about how service design and how people work and really interestingly to learn from you as well. I'm going to do a quick summary of what we had learned and with that, after that, I'm going to ask you to do a quick summary of the thing that you would and one takeaway that you would like our listeners to listen to. Overall, NetNet, what we learned, Rwani, uh, is that uh, the service design is one of the one of the critical areas of designing how my pro consumer interacts with my service and there might be tangible and intangible product uh, areas around it how do you choose the sample size how do you choose the experts who do the interview and how do you design those interviews and then unearth the needs it's a it's a typical process around it overall there has been a, this is a new field with a lot of disruption possibilities and I see the full focus towards the experience of how people interact with the services taking the mainstream. I think NetNet, that's the key takeaway that we should get away with from this conversation. And I'll ask you to do a quick summary before we leave. Yeah, um, uh, only summary is, is uh, that I really appreciated this this conversation and, and uh, my my only message is that uh, even if you believe to, to act in a very complex environment, just find a minute for stepping back and thinking about who are my customers? What should I what should I um, uh, offer them? And thinking about how to involve them throughout your product, I would call it like this development cycle, so that you can learn with them, so that you can really, in a sort of an agile way, test often um, uh, your prototypes, uh, prototype, do experiments of your of your um, of your uh, idea. And um, in this is this is a fundamental um, starting point in any innovation um, um, innovation process, I believe. I would I would wrap it up like this. And if you would like to have a, some practical um, uh, some practical approach to sorry <laughs> practical approach to how to do user view research and interview your users, you can follow this book from Steve Portugal, which I really like and, and suggest, which is called Interviewing User from Rosenfeld Media. 
thanks shivani thank you for coming to thinking psychologist podcast it was a pleasure having you we should have learned a lot from you today we will thank be you. in touch and thank you for the invite thank you for having me here and yes keep in touch definitely thank definitely, you shivani